If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. Yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com, slash Todd Huff Show for those that want to watch the program live or on demand uh, here this morning. I want to start... I want to start by talking about this, uh, well, a couple of Supreme Court, I guess, updates, if you will. Yesterday, yesterday the Supreme Court um, said that they were not hearing the Pennsylvania case, the Pennsylvania case, the, the case that Ted Cruz had uh, said he would be willing to argue before the Supreme Court. Now, there's, I would say, a bit of conflicting reports out there because some folks say that this is the court saying they will not hear this at all. Jenna Ellis chimes in. Folks, this is stuff we're now into the, um, I guess we're into the part of the uh, we've reached a level that we kind of need the experts. I, I don't know. At some point, you don't know uh, what exactly, where exactly things stand. Jenna Ellis says that the Supreme Court, she tweeted this out late, uh, late yesterday, yesterday evening, I guess. The Supreme Court only denied the emergency injunctive relief. It did not de- uh, deny uh, the whole case altogether. In fact, she said that Mike Kelly's lawsuit is still pending before the U.S. Supreme Court. So in other words, she's saying all the court did was say we're not going to – in fact, if you read the order, it's just a a simple one-sentence order here, and this is what it says. It says after the date and Of course, the name of the case, it says the application for injunctive relief presented on Justice, uh, excuse me, presented presented to Justice Alito and by him referred to the court is denied on injunctive relief. So basically, um, the hearing it quickly, they're not going to hear it in an emergency sort of situation. They still have the case pending before it. So says... Uh, so says Jenna 
Ellis part of uh, Trump's legal team, uh, team. So, but that's just part of the news. The other part of the news is that Texas, the state of Texas, as you know, has sued the states. So we have a state that's now suing other states, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. So Texas is suing those states, which uh, in the jurisdiction, those uh, when you have states that are suing one another, the jurisdiction uh, begins. I think maybe all cases, maybe maybe there's some exceptions. I, but in general, that those are the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court, not in an appellate sort of situation. You know, normally you file a court a, a court case, it goes through the court system, you have to appeal it, appeal it, appeal it through various levels of federal court and so forth. It gets to the US Supreme Court, at which time the US Supreme Court can decide whether or not they hear a case. They have that discretion. They get petitioned many times to hear cases and there's only a handful of cases that you can uh, that they can hear. I will say this. I've had the good pleasure. I don't know if any of you have ever had the pleasure of witnessing oral arguments at the Supreme Court. It is quite the um, it's quite the experience. I went there again and it was the spring of 99. In fact, well, I won't tell that story, but anyway, we we went in the spring of 99 when I was at American University. One of the things that we did in our program uh, was attend a well, two. We attended two Supreme Court hearings. I think it was in April, and we, you know, we we went to the court really early. Uh, waited in line. We got in. We sat down, and it's quite it's quite a remarkable um, experience to see the justices walk in. The nine justices taking that bench. And, and hearing arguments from um, from both sides. There's a clock. I don't remember now that I – I don't know if it's – each side gets 30 minutes maybe. Someone who follows us more closely would have the, to tell me there's a clock. And at the, when the clock dings, when the timer goes off, so to speak, that's the end of it. right? So the, the, the court gets filings and documents prior to – uh, the the case being heard, arguments and so forth. It's the only time in my life I've ever, by the way, felt a little bit bad for an attorney. <laughs> the only time is when they started uh, they started making their arguments. One of the in one of the cases, uh, Justice Scalia, who was on the bench on the court when I was present back in 1999. About 14 seconds into it, started peppering this attorney with questions, and then became rapid fire. And it was interesting to watch that dynamic. You had Clarence Thomas uh, down at near one end of the bench. Uh, that was something I wasn't prepared for either. I didn't realize until I saw it myself that Clarence Thomas, when he listens to oral arguments, he actually put the fear on Facebook. You can see this. He puts his head back. And closes his eyes, looking at the ceiling, eyes closed. If you didn't know any better, if you just glanced up there, you would think, man, this guy fell asleep. But that's not what he's doing. He's saying, I don't want to 
be impacted by anything else that's going on. I just want to listen to what's being said and try to apply the law uh, as best I know how, fairly, uh, in an unbiased situation. But to watch this all happen and just to see it unfold. And then, of course, you got the people that are trying to interpret, you know, what uh, what's being, why questions are being asked, how one justice may be trying to influence another justice through the questioning and through the, the rhetoric and all this back and forth sort of stuff. And this is what people do uh, who, who, I guess, follow the Supreme Court. But it's a fascinating thing. So the court has agreed to hear this case, the state of Texas, suing Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Now, I've heard some folks, you know, I mentioned earlier that, that the Supreme Court has discretion on which cases they heard. Um, I've heard some folks who said that this case – now, I'm not saying that this is right. I've just seen lawyers say this. I've seen some lawyers say uh, that they had to hear this case. I don't know that that's the case in general. It is certainly the case that the court can deny or reject any case whatsoever. Um, but since it's between states and it's a rare occurrence and it's starting with them not at an appellate level but rather – uh, having the original jurisdiction or whatever the legal term is. This is this is where we are. This is where we are, Supreme Court hearing this case. I want to kind of go through this. In fact, I'm referencing an, uh, an article in Breitbart right now. The state of Texas filed a lawsuit, says the article, directly with the U.S. Supreme Court shortly before midnight on Monday, challenging the election procedures in Georgia Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin on the grounds that they violate the Constitution. Texas argues that these states violated the Elector's Clause of the Constitution because they made changes to voting rules and procedures through the courts or through executive actions, but not through the state legislatures. We have discussed this on here. You have seen this discussed or uh, referenced elsewhere. But we definitely talk about it here. You don't hear about this in the media. Uh, if you do, you'll hear it written about uh, in ways like, I heard, well, I read a USA Today article. I might talk about that as well. But when they talk about it, they say, look, we've got COVID. we got COVID out there. These, these bureaucrats, they don't call them bureaucrats, of course. These are, these are um, election officials. You know, to the average person, they hear an election official, they, they think, well, this person can make up the rules, right? This is their job. Actually, it's not. An election official's job is to follow the rules that have been voted on by the state's legislature. That's the way it's supposed to work. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. This is the whole this is the whole point of of you could say those of us who um, have problems with judicial activism, for example. Our whole problem with it is not even if they make a decision that makes sense, meaning meaning the law says what the law says. Sometimes the law doesn't even make sense. In fact, in fact, you heard Kavanaugh say, I think it was Kavanaugh, during his nomination process for SCOTUS uh, justice, he said, "If there's aren't if, if there's not cases or decisions that you make that you don't find yourself, uh, you know, personally 
at odds with, meaning I make this decision because it's what the law says. I don't really like it. Um, then you're not doing your job as a justice. Sometimes the law says what an individual may prefer that it not, even a Supreme Court justice. But the law says it, and it's not the job of the court to change it. It's the job of the legislature to change it. See how this works? Everybody has a job. Everybody has a lane to stay in. The founders did this intentionally. And so we've talked about this on here, how courts didn't – or states, through courts or through bureaucrats or a combination thereof, they made up arbitrary rules. They extended deadlines. They, you know, for for receiving ballots, uh, they waived certain requirements for what's normally the case for folks who vote by absentee ballot or mail-in ballot or whatever. They broke many laws. They broke them. They didn't follow them. This is very simple. It's it's it is as clear cut as, and this this by the way has nothing to do with. Proving any allegations of fraud. This has to do. This has to do with saying they didn't do their job. They, the legislature makes the laws that passed by majority, and then they gave those laws that direction to the executive branch via that executive branch's bureaucratic division, which is a whole nightmare at least federally, and I would argue at many state levels or at many states as well. But then those bureaucrats, those election officials are supposed to follow those, and they didn't. And so Texas is saying, look, that violates the electors clause of the U.S. Constitution. On top of that, Texas argues, going back to the article here in Breitbart, that there were differences in voting rules and procedures in different counties within the states violating the Constitution's Equal Protection Clause. So there's two claims in this lawsuit. If you have some um, self-righteous, ultra-leftist, know-it-all today in the office, say, oh, it's, it's over and done with Trump's one, one for 96 or whatever number of cases they're claiming. Uh, they're claiming now. This case, this case, by the way, brought to you by the state of Texas, not by Trump's legal team, uh, who have – they have three cases, Trump's legal team. They did. I don't know if they filed they, – they have a handful of cases. Now there's this one. There's this one as well. So um, they say there's two clauses of the Constitution that's been violated. Folks, the Constitution is agreement, is an agreement, is a is a pact, is a – Sort of a contract of of sorts between between the states. You know, this is what we're agreeing to. The state of whatever, the state of Wisconsin, agrees with the state of Texas, agrees with the state of Connecticut. This is this is how our government's going to function. This is what's written in this document is is how we are going to work together uh, in a lot of different ways, but in particular in forming our federal government. We're all going to have there have to be some rules. And those branches that we're going to um, elect, we're going to send people from our states to fill seats at the federal level in the U.S. Congress, at our uh, in the U.S. Senate. We're going to send people there, and we're going to also vote for a president. And we have an agreement as to what that looks like. You can't just arbitrarily change it. 
you can't you can't have a, a, a list of laws on the books in your state as to how you're going to go about doing it and then suddenly change those without going through the pro you can change them but the only group that can change those laws is the state legislature so texas is saying what's up with this right this is this is undermining this is undermining the entire election process if states can arbitrarily change these rules without going through um the legislative process what stops them from changing any others what stops i mean what what sort of a, a firm foundation do we have here as to how we the states have agreed to choose our own electors we have the right to choose our own electors but we we've said that our the process by which we change our electors is outlined by through law outlined by the, our state legislature if the administrative branch or if a court changes that, then suddenly the agreement that we have between the states through this pact, through this constitution, through this agreement, through this contract, suddenly isn't what we signed up for. There's a problem with this. On top of that, on top of that, it's troubling, Texas says, from a constitutional standpoint. That depending upon where you lived in, the, in these states, your vote was counted differently. You've heard about some of these um, some of these counties would you know, fill in information that wasn't provided on a uh, on the on the ballot or on the envelope or whatever. Other counties wouldn't. You had some that would call and give uh, certain individuals the ability to correct their ballots even though those ballots weren't even supposed to be opened yet according to state law yet all sorts of flagrant violations of of the law and this this is not alleging any fraud just a you know the, the election is supposed to look like this in michigan and it looks like this it's not the same thing the election was supposed to be handled like this in the state of or start state of georgia and it wasn't it's not the same thing you can't – your electors, the electors that are going to go to the Electoral College supposedly on December 14th to vote for their president of the United States, which, by the way, by the way, affects Texas, affects Indiana, affects Nebraska, affects Utah, affects all the states. You have violated the way that you have uh, – your legislature said you're going to – choose electors this is a problem it's clearly a problem what's the court going to do about it that's where the speculation i'm not going to speculate i think speculation uh, while could be interesting from time to time look i there's, there, i don't know right you supposedly have six you have, you have five conservatives on the court you can i think you can clearly move john roberts off of that list he occasionally stumbles his way into agreeing with the conservatives, but by and large, he really wants to be liked in Washington, D.C., and he really wants to try to find a way to agree with Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, Stephen Breyer, right? So, uh, But you have, you have solid constitutionalists on there as well, and we'll see what they think about these arguments. A lot more to say about this, but a timeout is necessary here. On the program, sit tight. We'll be back here in just a minute. 
those of you that watch the program on Facebook, you will be uh, – I have to apologize. I, As I was getting everything up and running here and <clears throat> have it all set up, I didn't hit the record button this morning. Oz said to me, she said, did you put this on Facebook? I said, well, yeah. I mean I'm looking at it right here. But then I looked and I saw that the record button was not – uh, was not pressed. We're having a little bit. My the the camera that's on me is frozen at the moment. So if you're watching live, I'm just you'll just see our logo on the screen until I figure out what's going on with that. By the way, I want to mention too before we get back to this Texas case. We're in the Christmas season. I know there is so much going on. Christmas, folks, is just two weeks away. Two weeks away. I love this time of year. I love the holidays. Um, it's it's different now, given where we are. In fact, that's really uh, what Shepherd is facing. Shepherd Community they do this Christmas drive, this toy drive every year for the families that they serve, the kids in particular. And this year, um, the way that they collect gifts is is different because of COVID. They have things that they've been doing for years that they've had to change and so forth. And so we had a conversation, and I said, let's see. Uh, what our listeners uh, would be willing to do to help out. And that's with the Shepherd Community Program called Caring at Christmas. You can find out more by visiting caringatchristmas.com. But essentially, this is your opportunity to give back and to help Shepherd help those families in need. It's a great thing to do. Shepherd does this the right way. Again, I think very, very highly of Jay and his team, their philosophy, how they go about doing these things. Just wonderful stuff happening at Shepherd Community. But caringatchristmas.com is there, uh, is the site where you can for, uh, find more information. You can also bring toys in person to drop off locations if you don't want to shop online or do it that way. If you want to drop things off, go for it. We've got drop-off locations. One is at the Freedom 95 Studios in Franklin. One is in our at our offices in Mooresville. And the other, you can meet the team, by the way, Bubbles and Paws and Pedals. Um, and the other is at Mr. Quick Home Services on 86th Street in Indianapolis. So I want to quickly... Oz is telling me it's actually time to take a break, but I want to get back and set this up, uh, set this back up. This uh, Supreme Court case in Texas. All right, so the Supreme Court case in Texas, I was reading from Breitbart here. We listed the two reasons, the two clauses, constitutional clauses that the state of Texas, Mr. Paxson, has listed as reasons for filing this case in Texas. One is it violates the state. uh, These states violated the electors clause. They violated the equal protection clause because they had different rules and procedures for voters in different counties. And there's actually a third, according to Breitbart here, it says Texas argues that there were voting irregularities in these states as a result of the above. So, I mean, I guess in my mind there's two reasons, and they're claiming that um, that's what happened. So, you know, you, you have a defined process for how your state chooses electors, and you've created a mess for yourself because you've broken your own rules. 
And so folks are saying, what – the laws say that electors are going to be awarded based upon who wins that particular state's popular vote. Now, there's some exceptions with some states. I'm just saying in general, this is how this is done. So it's it's predetermined. The legislature doesn't really go through the process of saying – who are we going to, going to award our electors to? We just look to the vote of the pop, the, you know, the popular vote in our state, and it's a simple okay. We'll send those electors because this candidate won. The problem is, if you violated so many of your rules, and this case doesn't get into fraud, but let's throw the fraud in there as well for the painting of the picture, and there is voter fraud or at least irregularities. At some point, you have to scratch your head and say, how do we account for? You know, such a small margin of victory in these states. Georgia's 12,284 votes, I think, separating Trump and Biden. Wisconsin, something like 20,000. How do you, how do you just, how do you know if you're a legislature? Your law says, hey, whoever wins the popular vote gets the electors. Okay. Well, but who won? That's kind of the point. Who won? And this, again, is not accusing fraud. This particular case, it's saying who won if – who won if we're looking at a situation where um, no law – the laws weren't followed. The laws weren't followed. You have chain of custody, the documents that can't be provided. The law just wasn't followed across across the board. Dates were extended. Rules were set aside all under the guise of COVID, under the guise of this. And I'm not saying that there's nothing to be concerned about with with COVID or what. I'm not even talking. I'm just saying it's not – it's the job of the legislature. The legislature could have changed those rules. They didn't. The government did, the executive branch, some election official. The court came in and said, sure, go for it. Have at it. Do whatever you need to do. I mean I'm paraphrasing, but that's effectively – where we found ourselves, I mean, those of us that followed this would say, of course, this was the the, the rule or this was the, the, the tactic that they chose to use because we know the left <clears throat> excuse me, doesn't like the, – the radical left doesn't like any voting laws. They don't like IDs. They don't like voting in person. They want to make this as easy and as uh, uh, ripe with fraudulent um, – They want to be able to come in and do exactly what they've been accused of doing. There are radicals on the left that this is absolutely, unequivocally, positively what they look for. Now, this isn't in the case. This is just what I'm saying to you. Texas is pointing out that that is obviously a problem. When you have rules, you don't follow them. We all have an agreement on how we choose our electors. These four states have made such a mess that we have no idea. So now Texas is saying – to the Supreme Court, look, you have to allow the state legislatures to appoint to appoint their electors. You can no longer, you know, just say whoever won the most votes based upon numbers that who knows if they're true following the rules. You have to now allow these state legislatures to appoint their electors. Now these state legislatures then can do whatever they choose. They can do any number of things. They can appoint legislatures they, or uh, electors as, as they desire. 
They could say they're going to stay with Biden. They could say they're all going to go to Trump. They could say some are going to go to Biden, some are going to go to Trump. That is up to the legislature. You keep hearing this term plenary power. This is this is a fundamental power of state legislatures as according according to the constitution. The election is messed up. The electors the legislatures are responsible ultimately for choosing electors. Many Legislatures have simply said we're going to let the people vote, and however they vote is how we're going to assign the electors. But what happens if your election laws were not followed, right? It's like, I mean, if, if there was a, a an NFL football game. I saw there was an NFL football game last night. There's football games all the time because they're being rescheduled uh, because of COVID and whatever else. But at some point, there's rules to the game. If the rules are not followed so much, right, if suddenly you're driving down the field and you get to the 50-yard line and they say touchdown, you say, wait a minute, that's not a touchdown. That's the 50-yard line. Nope, it's a touchdown because because of COVID, we don't want people running 100 yards. We just want to run in 50 yards. Okay. So it's a touchdown. They put points on the board. At some point, someone's got to make a me- make make sense of all this. Someone scores a touchdown, well, we want to give you three points instead of six for that touchdown. At some point, someone's got to come in and clean up the mess. And you have to say, look, we don't even know what the score really would have been because the team got to the 50-yard line, and they gave them six points, and they made them kick the ball off to the other team, and they gave them a touchdown. You know, at some point, we don't even know what the outcome is because it was not followed, the rules were not followed at all. I think, again, I'm not a lawyer, but I think this is certainly uh, something worth it's, – it's a very valid argument in my, in my estimation. So timeout is necessary. Quick timeout here. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. think it's clear that we have all sorts of um, all sorts of evidence that shows that there's extreme voter fraud and what are you supposed to do what are you supposed to do if you have extreme extreme voter fraud in a state you can't be sure what the election results really are, in spite of what these states are doing. Rudy Giuliani's out there saying these states are um, these states are approving. These states are um, you know certifying numbers that they know are not right. You can't you can't certify numbers that aren't right. I guess you can because they're doing it. This is the place that we've gotten. What are we supposed to do? The left says just, hey, doesn't matter how much fraud we've seen or haven't seen because we don't pay any attention. The media doesn't report on it. They act like there's no evidence. They ignore 5,000 affidavits. They ignore the testimonies uh, before legislative branches around this country. They they mischaracterize what happens in these cases. They act as though 
these judges are listening to the evidence. The judges are not listening to the evidence. They're throwing these cases out uh, on technical uh, technicalities. The one recently was Sidney Powell. Her case was thrown out because the court says we should, you know, you don't have, uh, they questioned their standing, the standing of electors. They also questioned why she didn't file the case earlier before it happened, which is a crazy, bizarre thing for me, just from a practical perspective. How do you file the case before something happens? What do you, what do you, evidence do you have at that point? Well, it could happen. What do you mean it could happen? It didn't happen. Well, it didn't happen because it hasn't had the chance to happen yet. I can just imagine. Well, the court says, the court would say, of course it hasn't happened. You can't bring a case to me, says the court, unless there are damages. Something happened. Nothing happened. Of course nothing happened. Nothing happened because the opportunity for that to happen hasn't occurred yet. So the, I mean, we just have, it's a bizarro universe. You bring it too early. It reminds me. This reminds me of Seinfeld. Remember when Seinfeld they took their even on the show, but this is really what they did in real life too. They took they took their show to executive producers at NBC, and they said, "What's the premise?" And George says, "Nothing." What do you mean nothing? Nothing happens, says George to the NBC executive. Well, something better happened. No, no, no. Nothing happens. This is the idea. What's the idea? I don't, still don't understand what the idea is, the NBC executive producer says. That's because the idea is nothing. What do you mean nothing? People watch nothing on TV all the time. <laughs> not, not yet they don't, said the NBC's executive. This is what I feel like as I listen to this rationale and logic. File the case. You found the case too late, Sidney Powell. We mean too late. The the case happened. The, the the election was a month ago. Too late. Should have filed it earlier. You could have filed it before it happened. I could have filed it before I, it happened. I could have filed a case that hadn't had the that hadn't happened yet. I could have filed it before it happened. Yep, says the court. The media and the Democrat Party want you to think that she went in there with their evidence and they said this is all made up fantasy. That's not what happened. Anyway. Lots yet to go here in this election. Electors are supposed to meet and vote uh, next, what is it, next, uh, the 14th, whenever that is, next week. So anyway, timeout is in order here. Sit tight back in just a minute. So I want to say, I want to say, as we've had some technical difficulties here for those on social media this morning, my apologies about that. I think we've got it figured out. Um, but you know, I express on a regular basis that I have um, a lot of respect and just um, strong feelings for those of you in this audience that have made this program possible. You know, for a guy... I started in the bedroom closet, my wife's bedroom closet. No, that's not right. Our bedroom has multiple closets. The one that belongs to my wife, she said, you can use my closet. Isn't that nice of her? So that's where I started podcasting five years ago. And um, so starting from there and, and being able now to you know, reach the point where we're encounter, you know, have opportunities to share with you. I, I am blessed and this is, 
Um, I, I just love hearing from folks. I really genuinely do. But I'm going to say this. Occasionally, occasionally I hear from some whack jobs, and, and they're the minority. But I want to tell you, if you're going to take the, the time to call into the Huff Hotline, 317-455-5250, which I know I got to get better at playing some calls from that, or if you're going to email me about something or send me a message, just make it count. You know, This is an example. This is a call I got yesterday. A call, a call I got yesterday. I have done nothing but laugh about this. So someone, I just takes this is look. This is not representative. There's probably zero point zero 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 one percent of the audience that would do something like this. But I get this call on the Huff Hotline yesterday. You're gonna enjoy this. We had to bleep it out. I had to ask pedals. I had to say pedals. Can you bleep this word out? Because I can't play that on the air. First, pedals just cut it out. Pedals, you don't cut it. You put the bleep sound over it. So here it is. This is the voicemail message I get yesterday. I thoroughly just have enjoyed. Don't do that. I, look, I, I just ignore stuff like this, but this one tickled me so much I had to I had to share. Here we go. Why don't you take live phone calls, you coward? <laughs> you blanking coward. That's what he says. Uh, because I don't take a lot. There's a reason I don't take live phone calls. Part of the reason is, if you've paid attention ever to other morning shows, people don't particularly like to call in at this time. The other part is there's a, a couple of technical things I've got to do uh, so that we could phone screen. Of course, we have the technology. I know how to do it, and I think at some point we might. But anyway, the point is, if you're going to make take the time to call in, make it count, as I know the vast, 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 vast majority of you would. I just got tickled by this. i got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in a minute. Folks, I don't know any more than you do about where this election or where this court case, I should say, is heading. I do know that it's heading to the Supreme Court for a hearing, but I don't know beyond that. I don't know what they're going to make of this. I don't know how they're going to interpret this. I don't know how this is going to be argued specifically. But I do know that there is certainly something here. And I do know that we certainly have a ton of problems, election fraud, even though that's not what this case is about, but a lot of things to be concerned with. But hang in there. Be tough. We'll see. Get our way through this. SDG. See you soon. Take care.